Welcome to Success Unlimited with America's success thought leaders, Tim and Tom Simmons. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the journeys of thought leaders, business leaders, authors, speakers, podcasters, and various individuals' journeys to success and the challenges they had to overcome along the way. We are very thankful that you decided to listen in to our podcast. Like and subscribe to Success Unlimited's podcasts and socials to receive updates when new episodes are released. Do you have an idea of who you'd like to hear? Let us know by commenting on our socials or by emailing info at mymentorhq.co. Now, we hope you enjoy this episode of Success Unlimited. And welcome to Success Unlimited podcast, where we explore the guest, uh, the journey of success, their challenges they overcame. Uh, with us today, we have Amy Hager. Uh, she is an organic marketing mentor and co-founder of the Content Personality Club. She uses her years of experience and expertise to help service-based business owners around the world globally grow business they love at Joyful Business Revolution. Amy, great to have you with us. So glad you could spend a few minutes with us today. Um, how are you doing? Good, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for being here. Well, I want to jump right in because we have a lot to unpack um, just to give our audience a, a glimpse of um, who you are and your, your your business partner. You guys seem to be everywhere. You guys have a podcast, Grow Your Business for Good, events, retreats, your event speakers. Uh, you're a co-author of Joyful Content uh, Creation Framework. You've been hosted on uh, CBS, ABC, Fox, NBC. And the list goes on. So I am super <laughs> stoked. I'm excited to have you here. I have so many questions. Um, why don't we start with giving us maybe a background of, of what Joyful Business Revolution is? Yeah. So Joyful Business Revolution has been a, I, just like every business, one that has grown and changed as my partner and I, um, M. Shannon Hernandez is my business partner, have grown and changed too. And <laughs> You know, originally Shannon founded the company and a lot of our concepts and our content personality quiz, which Tom just took, and we're going to review his wow. answers in a little bit. But, um, you know, I think the beautiful thing about where Shannon and I completely align is we really do believe that everybody can be their best marketer. And a lot of people think they're bad at it. They think it's a chore. They think they should hire it out. And we really want to empower people to step into that and really to own that piece of their business and piece of entrepreneurship. But the way I market isn't going to be the same way you market, Tom. It's not even the same way Shannon markets. Like we're both very similar in a lot of our personality traits, but how we communicate and how we show up and our energies are really, really different. So I do think it's very nice because we balance each other out. She's stronger in some places where I'm weaker and vice versa. And um, it's been a really great journey. We we landed on the name Joyful Business Revolution three years ago at this point. We knew we wanted the brand to be Joyful Business something, but we couldn't come up with that third word. We were thinking movement, revolution was one. Um, there was a whole bunch and we really, really we're stuck on that last word because we wanted to be create. We're creating something that's bigger than ourselves. We're creating empowerment. We didn't want it to be empowerment though. 
And finally, one day we were doing um, planning together. Shannon lives in New Jersey. I live in Virginia. We met in the middle in Maryland one day. And we were driving back from walking along the waterfront and we hit this like road construction situation. So we had a detour. So we detoured and, you know, we're, we're sitting here kind of spinning our wheels, talking about the brand, talking about the name. And the detour took us down um, Revolution, <laughs> Revolution Avenue. And I was like, oh, my God, is this a sign? Like, is Joyful Business Revolution the name? And right. that's the one we were leaning to. And I think that was like the seal the deal moment. So we hop out of the car. We take a photo. I was like, it's completely illegal to steal the street sign. So we can't do that. But we at least got our photo with thing. it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's where it, it came down to. And, you know, we really do want to revolutionize the way people are approaching their marketing and creating messaging. And, you know, I, I went to college as a mass communications journalism student. You know, I was never taught any of this stuff in college. And so it's really nice to be able to bring this to business owners, especially when they're early on in their journey, so that that way they don't go about doing it. And I'm not going to say wrong, but they don't go about doing their marketing and their messaging creation in a way that isn't aligned with them. And I think that's the big piece of all this is being in alignment and really filling your cup up so that you can help others. So one of the biggest challenges I have faced uh, when I'm marketing, I own three companies, co-own three companies. Um, and one of the biggest challenges that we have faced is we feel we don't have the technical expertise mm. to do graphic design. I mean, I can do graphic design, but it looks like a two-year-old did it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that most people, when they think of business and they think of marketing, you have the logical business leadership, exactly. technical in what they do, whether it be a service or a product. And then the other side, you have a, uh, you have the creatives, right? The artists, the writers, the, yeah. the graphic designers. So how do you, how does Joyful Business Revolution marry those two? How do you, how do you help people through that process? Beautiful question. It isn't going to matter how pretty your graphics are or are not if your messaging falls flat. And so a lot of people get into that creative stuff way too early. They really need to hone in on the actual words that are either on the paper, coming out of their mouth, on the video, on the phone, in a podcast. And until you have that clear, nothing else is going to matter. So you take someone's personality and you become the word coach. Yes. <laughs> I get word vomited on all day, every day, and I love it. But I do think a lot of times what I find people do is they try to figure this out in their own head. One, I think you need to be in your heart and not your head when you're working on messaging. And two, we get a lot clearer when we can be in conversation and when we can be in a safe space where people can ask us questions, where there's no judgment or thinking that I'm doing this wrong, I'm saying this wrong. We're all here to kind of help each other out. And so when I get somebody in front of me who's been spinning the cycle of words in their head for months, maybe even years, and we get into our first conversation, what I find is a lot of people actually are saying the right things, but a lot of times it's so deeply buried in everything else that they're trying to say and that they think they should be saying that it doesn't shine. 
And so to really pull those golden nuggets, read between those lines and frame the way they're seeing the world in a way that feels good to them, that they can go out and talk about. I always say messaging is like buying a new pair of shoes. You got to walk around in them for a little bit to try them out, to make sure that they fit and they don't rub wrong. And if they fit and you're able to run, run. If they're rubbing, let's pause and let's come back and let's figure out why they're rubbing. What do we need to tweak? What's coming up in your mindset? What's coming up and holding you back? Or maybe it's, you know, the way the words are phrased. It doesn't make sense in your head. I, I have dyslexia. Like there's a lot of things that don't make sense in my head. And so it really, again, messaging is the foundation of any marketing that you do out there. And as I said before, it doesn't matter how pretty, ugly, or any of the visuals of marketing are until the messaging is, is really strong and is really true and authentic to you. Awesome. So a quick question. You're a marketing agency, essentially. So mm -hmm. how does a marketing agency market their message? How, how do you market your message? Yeah. So when we're going, I'm going to go back into the content personality that I teased a little bit earlier. So the how do you do it? really ties in to your content personality type. Once you have the messaging and that clear and, and feeling good for you and really connecting with others, then we look at your content personality type and we believe that there's five content personality types in no particular order. The first one is live in person. Next is video. There is audio, visual, and written. And when we're able to create utilizing our top content personality type, just one of these bad boys, not all of them, that's where the magic kind of happens. That's where it's the most aligned with you. It should come the most ease and flow to you. And there's about 150 or so ways to market your business when you look at all five of those content personality types. But when you pull out just the one, there's around 30 to 40 to choose from. And I feel like making a choice of 30 to 40 things versus 150 things is going to be a lot easier and a lot less pressure. And really, the other thing about marketing is it is it's a playful experiment. You're not going to get it, quote unquote, right, right out the door. It's going to take some time to feel what feels right for you, what you can be consistent in. And if you're not consistent, you can't evaluate whether it's effective or not. So again, it all starts with you. Have you noticed I have not mentioned where you think your ideal clients are, who you think your ideal clients are, where do you think they shop, what t-shirts are they wearing, where are they living? None of that really, really is going to matter when it comes to building your strategy and marketing and messaging. Because again, when you show up completely energetically aligned in places that you like to be, you will attract the ideal clients that you want to be working with. So that was actually my next question. I'm sitting here thinking. So one of the businesses that I have is a building consulting company. We target to insurance carriers. Mm -hmm. uh, and in, in doing so, the they're, they're, where they are mm -hmm. might be on LinkedIn versus maybe not so much on TikTok and Facebook. So they keep they can keep their personal lives and personal lives completely separate. Right. And so it's easier to find them and locate them and, and, and target where they are. So yeah. is 150 options is a lot, 30, 40, a whole lot fewer, but still a lot. 
there's only 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you mind, are you able to, I guess on the fly, I'm sorry to put you on the spot like this, okay. maybe, maybe give an example of uh, maybe one of those verticals, maybe video or audio or visual yep. written or live and how you, how do you, if you're in alignment with your content personality type, how do you target you, who you want to reach? Let's go to your and, example, Tom. So your, your insurance agents, right? Is that what you said? Companies. Brokers? Okay. So yeah, they're going to be on LinkedIn. They're absolutely going to yeah. be on LinkedIn. But like you said, they're still on other platforms. They're watching videos on TikTok. They've got Facebook pages. They've got Instagrams. And sure, they use those more as personal enjoyment, sharing family photos. Right. They're still consuming content on those platforms, though. And True. so if you hate LinkedIn, but you're working with insurance agents who are typically business professionals who are doing quote unquote business on LinkedIn, you're still going to catch them on TikTok. And so if you love TikTok and Tom, your video content personality type is video. So I'm not shocked that you mentioned TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, yo, use TikTok. They're still going to consume there. They, your call to action may be, if you're on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn, DM me, shoot me an email, shoot me a text. Your call to action is going to be key on how you want to be communicated to. And if, like I said, if you really love being on a certain platform, but you hate another one, do the one that you love. I guarantee you your people there. There's 65 year old men on TikTok watching videos. My neighbor is my like best little TikTok guy and he's in that age bracket. And I'm like, I don't even watch TikTok. But he does all the time. So really, when you think about it, there's millions of users on all the different platforms. Make it easy on yourself. Show up where you love to be, where you want to show up. And so, Tom, knowing that you're a video content personality type because you just took the quiz. And for those of you who are listening, you're like, wait, how do I find out about this? Google content personality quiz. It's a free quiz. You can't get any of the answers wrong. Answer them quickly, intuitively. Let's see what your content personality type is. And Tom's is video. Tom, are you using video right now to market to those agents? Um, not really, no. And it's our, we, we target, our target market is uh, our property insurance claims professionals mm-hmm. uh, in the claims industry within those insurance companies. Uh, mm-hmm. but we aren't using videos. Uh, yeah. I, I, I tend not to like um, to be the big ego on Facebook and say, Hey, look at me and, and, and be all that. That's not who I am. Um, so but I be consuming that content. What is interesting about the video content personality type, it doesn't mean that your face and your talking head on video. What it okay. really means, Tom, is you don't need other people in the room to energetically show up and to explain something really, really well. And so you could be using a PowerPoint presentation or a slide deck. You could be using other visual things for people to look at besides your face. And so it really does play into how do you best energetically explain something. And so live in person people, which I'm a live in person person, we best energetically show up with the interaction of other people. That's why I do interviews on podcasts. I don't host my own podcast show because it would fall flat. And I actually did seven years in radio. And the best advice that I got from the DJ called The Hammer, was, Amy, you sound flat. Put pictures of your friends in the studio and pretend like you're talking to them because they'll make it more interesting for you and the listeners. 
the wow. next year I was rated the top classic rock DJ class uh, the drive time to like go home. I was only 20. I didn't know who Alice Cooper was. <laughs> so again, you could be selling snow to Eskimos, but being aligned in that content personality type is really, really key on how you deliver and how you connect. And so quickly with the audio content personality types, a lot of times those people are the ones when you like get them on the phone, you on the other side of the phone could listen to this person talk all day. They've got the captivating voice. They explain things very soothingly. They typically calm you down. Your visual content personality types, there's two key factors to this. One, usually they're great at something visual, whether it's creating Canva graphics, whether it's art, drawing, things along those lines. The other thing that we've really found about the visual content personality type is sometimes it's not that they're utilizing visual in the end game of their marketing, but they have to be doing something visual in order to create. So I have one woman who is a visual content personality type. She painted her entire house as we created her marketing content. And it was that watching the paint go on the walls visually is what really got her juices flowing so that she could create. And she ended up writing some really great articles that actually got published and seen. And a lot of times too, it's those people who doodle on the side of their pages. A lot of times those are visual content personality types. And then written is kind of self-explanatory. Your writing really connects and moves people. And a lot of people are like, oh, I'm a great writer. That's fine. You could have a passion for any of those five. But I think the key is when you utilize the content personality type that you scored highest in, that's where you're moving people into emotional decision making. And that's all about the marketing and sales. You really want to get them into some sort of conversation. Your end game of your marketing is conversation so that you can flow into a sales conversation. That's interesting. Um, mentioning, you know, your co-founder, uh, Joyful Business Revolution. Yeah. And by the way, that quiz is, I think the link is joyfulbusinessrevolution.com forward slash quiz. Quit. Good Remember? job. Okay. Yeah. Um, usually in a partnership, I have a partnership. Uh, yeah. I'm in a partnership. The There's usually a visionary who says, here's the long term and here's the grandeur of the business and here's what we want to accomplish. And, and then you have someone that might be the integrator or someone that likes the processes. And so Shannon and yourself, who, who's who? Mm -hmm. Shannon's definitely the visionary and I'm definitely the processor. Yeah. You're like, this has to be done. Here's a process it has to follow. Right. And I would say for being a visionary, Shannon also can teeter totter in that process place. Um, and so a lot of times what we'll do, and because I've been in a lot of different businesses, Shannon was a teacher and started a business. And those are the only two careers that she really knows. Now, trust me, she's learned a lot doing, having her business for the last 12 years. But I mean, I, I've been an entrepreneur ever since I was nine. I used to race go-karts and I had to go around town asking people to sponsor me and give me money for tires and gas. And so Oh really, God. entrepreneurship Fine. has been something that I've been dabbling in for a long time. And I did a lot of time in the nonprofit space as well. And I think what really is key to the visionary and the processor relationship that we have is that when we're looking at it, we know this is bigger than ourselves. We know that people need to be able to have the flexibility to make this their own thing 
And it's right. not Shannon or Amy's way or the highway. It really is. We're going to dream up the right way for you because the right way for you is what's your actually you're actually going to implement it that way. Right. The how many businesses have you owned as an entrepreneur? So I would say technically owned none. I've always been brought in either as the second in command or the CEO or doing sales and marketing. Um, I, I have not, I mean, besides like my independent contractor LLC status, right, that's, right. that's really been it. And I think what the beautiful part is, um, you know, one of the, the coolest organizations that I ever ran, I was the executive director of the Bed and Breakfast Association of Virginia. So I was tasked with helping current business owners who were really struggling, figuring out what the struggle was, how to overcome that hump, helping people who aspired to open bed and breakfasts, tapping into their why and really helping them hit the ground running, and then bridging the gap between consumer and product. And so being able to market 250 some odd properties in the Commonwealth of Virginia and creating experiences for those end users to come stay at places. And so I think the one thing that I have learned through all of those experiences, but specifically with that organization, is that when I can get in, get my hands dirty, like I've played innkeeper so many times, like if you wanna talk about how to fold sheets, we can go down that pathway. It's not my funnest topic, but I know how to do it. <laughs> By getting in there and being with them and being boots on the ground and really understanding the business, but still not being so deeply tied to all the emotions that come around entrepreneurship, it allows me to really help and see things that they can't see. Or maybe they can, but they're not recognizing or identifying them. And because I lead with question and curiosity and being able to, again, there's no judgment. You're not doing anything wrong. Is right. there some way to do something 10% better? Yeah, let's figure that out. So Absolutely. I think that's, that's a that, that has probably been the key to, I would say, my success is leading with curiosity and question, being willing to dive all the way in, get to know and get to understand what the heck is actually going on, and then taking that step back and being able to see through a different lens a possible way that we could go forward in a different or stronger way. So you played the role many, many, many times a business coach. <laughs> oh yeah. Before I guess coaching became popular. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I love it because you were on the front lines and I'm assuming most bed and breakfasts are the owned by a, a sole proprietor or just a mom and pop type establishment. I would imagine. It's interesting how much the industry has shift. It used to be that way, but not so much anymore. Oh, wow. They're still okay, out there. So it's more, more corporate then. I would it's say there's more people realizing they're really good at it. So they'll buy multiple properties. Okay. So I would say they're boutique type owners where there's different properties, different experiences. They're all kind of small and unique on their own, okay. but they figured out that their niche is, is travel experiences and how to create those for people. So in working with entrepreneurs and you do that now with joyful business revolution, yep. What are some of the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs face? Mm, time. You had said it before, there's only 24 hours in a day. And so how do we best allocate our time as entrepreneurs? And one thing that I, I think I frequently get to remind people of is if you as the CEO 
especially if you're a solopreneur or maybe you have a VA that's helping you or maybe a marketing person who is making your posts for you because you've got the messaging, that's when you can pass it off to someone else to make the post once you know things are working. Um, maybe you have a little bit of help. But if your main focus isn't one, showing up in service and two, making sales, there's going to be no business to be had. And right. no work for you or your people who are helping you to do. And so I say every day, dedicate, whether it's five minutes or 30 minutes, you get to choose. Some people do an hour every other day. What is the best revenue generating activity that I can do today? That I can do right now. When you're checking in with your own energy level, if it's not to pick up the phone and call someone, if you're an audio content personality, or if it's not to go on that interview because you're a live in-person person, but maybe it's something else. Maybe it is directly reaching out to somebody that you had a conversation with, or you saw someone post something on social media, or they responded back to your email, and it's you following up with them and making that personal connection. You know, when you're thinking about your revenue-generating activities, what they really should toy down to is relationship building because people buy from people. They don't buy from robots. And so when you're able to connect deeply with others and really show up in a way that feels good to you, that doesn't feel slimy, like sales gets such a bad rep because they're like, it's so slimy. When people are interested in working with you and interested in hearing what you have to say, right. it's not slimy. Right. You've captivated them. They they see you, they hear you, and they trust you. And so a lot of times it is our own mindset as entrepreneurs that kind of prevents us from moving forward with working with people. But I do think it does have to feel good to you. And so taking a few minutes every day to be a little reflective on where your energy is and what revenue generating activity could you do this morning before you dive into the trenches of working with clients and doing all of those other things, take five minutes, take 30 minutes, take an hour, but try to do it daily or every other day and get yourself into that habit because without those sales, you're never going to have a business. Yeah. I've heard the one definition of sales is simply the transference of belief. Yeah. If they don't buy that, their belief of they don't need what you have was transferred to you. Yeah. Or if they do buy, it's the transference of belief on their part. They need what you have. Right. And sometimes it does come down just economics where they are just not in a position. They want it. They get it. They want to work with you, but they just can't afford to. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned something just now that it, it comes down to relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think through this conversation and uh, doing live events, doing video, doing audio, visual, most of the medium of transference and, and getting in front of the audience happens with social media whether it be YouTube, TikTok, Insta, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Does social media take that relationship out, that, that relationship part, you know, building that relationship out of the equation? And if so, how do you maintain your energy while you're still trying to connect with your audience? So I do think that one, you can build a business without being on social media. Like if you are just anti everything about it, I do want to look into, though, the mindset of why you're anti-social media and anti-being online, right? And we can always dive down that. That's like a whole nother conversation to be had. <laughs> it is, yeah. 
really, when we think about social media and the amazingness of what it is, it really has allowed us to connect deeper and to connect with people that we never would have had access to. I never probably would have known Shannon if it wasn't because of the internet. She actually taught a blog writing class at another bed breakfast state association and word traveled, but how she found out about that organization was, was through Google search, right? And so I do think that social media does actually allow us as humans to connect more deeply with each other. There's a lot of fake things out there though. There's a lot of fake people and a lot of people who aren't aligned with your energy. And so if you're currently following someone who you're like, I really don't like this person, would you be following them outside of the digital space? And if the answer is no, unfollow them. You don't have to be friends with everybody. And I do think the one thing that we discount about social media is really it is built to build deeper relationships. Like Facebook does, I don't know, give you algorithm points if we go down that rabbit hole. If it is a person posting organic content native on the platform, if you're using a scheduling system outside of Facebook, sometimes those posts don't show up as well as those that are posted right there on the platform. And it's because Facebook does want us to be interacting together as humans. It's the same way with Instagram and TikTok. It's the same way with LinkedIn. And so really, if we, the digital space is just as good of a space as face-to-face -to, -face to build quality relationships and to really expand who we can reach outside of our city, our town, our, our geographically spaces. Do I think it needs to be a balance of online friends and in-person friends and people? Yes, but I'm an in-person person. So of course I'm gonna say that. You know, someone whose video or audio may be a-okay with not having people local or close to them. And so it really is finding the right mix for you. Again, I'm gonna go back to that is super duper key. But if you can embrace the digital space as a way to deepen your relationships, to have really great conversations with people who are kind, who are friendly, who see you for you and respect you for you, those are the relationships you should be going after. If you have someone who's being a jerk and constantly isn't in the same space or doesn't believe in you, guess what? You don't have to be friends with them. Right. No one said you had to be friends with everybody on the internet. It's okay. Yep, and you, you have to have that, feel that release, that permission to say, you know what? You're not you're not one of the the inner core that I want to surround myself with because right. it's a cliche, but it's true. Where you are in life is determined by the books you read and the people you have closest with you. Yeah. And yeah. if you have a lot of people, hopefully not too many, but even those couple people that are negative, they aren't lifting you up, they aren't encouraging, they aren't positive around you, and and in your corner, so to speak. Um, you need to replace that person with a more positive influence that is going to support you right. because business as an entrepreneur, I can say business is a struggle. The struggle is real. It is very difficult. Um, and, and that's even with having everybody in your corner supporting you and cheering you on. Yeah. Um, so talk about uh, some of the challenges. I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. If you were, to see yourself 10, 15 years ago, what pieces of advice would you give 
yourself? <clears throat> so I would say there was this one point in my career, in my life, that your life and your career are the same thing. So I say life where I was really feeling like, gosh, I need a mentor. I need someone to guide me. I just, I feel like <clears throat> all these people that I talk to that are successful in business have someone else that they look up to. And I really don't feel like I have like that one person. And so I went on this quest <laughs> of finding the right, the right mentor. And I think I was going at it in a place of fear that I didn't know what I know. And I don't know what created that doubt in myself. And I often reflect on the situation to try to figure out like what started to trigger it. I'm still not quite clear on that piece of it. And who knows if I ever will be. But the one thing that I think we can do is we are our biggest cheerleaders. And when we give ourselves that power to be our own mentors, sure, again, having that pod, having that community that you can go to, ask questions, celebrate when things are going well, be sad when things are not going well is super duper important. But I think I was looking for too much external validation and too much of someone else to tell me where to go and what to do, which is why I think I'm so strong now in the figure out where you want to go, where you want to be and where it feels good for you. And I think the other thing, Tom, that is just so, so crystal clear that maybe I wasn't able to articulate 10 or 15 years ago because it was frowned upon is it's okay to change and grow as a human in your career and in your life. As your experiences influence the things that you like, love, and do, do that. It is okay. I, can't, I, I ran into a gentleman recently who I interviewed with to have a communications job. I want to say it was like 2009, maybe 2010. And I was super pumped to have this interview. Uh, a friend of a friend actually worked at this organization, had this job before and said, Amy, you're going to be perfect for it. And I didn't get the job. And when I ran into this guy at the bar, literally almost a decade later or over a decade later, I was like, you know, I never got, I didn't have the guts to ask you, why didn't you hire me? I know I was qualified. I came with great references. What was, what was the problem? He's like, you have a checkered past. I was like, a checkered past? I've never gone to jail. What are you talking about? Right. And he's like, you move jobs every year and a half to two years. He's like, I want someone that's going to stay forever. And I was like, huh, difference in view. I wasn't changing jobs because the situation sucked or whatever it may be. I had been changing jobs because I had built something that I could pass on to other people to continue to grow. Like I had reached my capacity of my expertise and I wasn't going to force myself to continue to stay at a place that I was no longer the best person to be serving them. And I was like, gosh, I wish you would have asked me that question before. And maybe we, we could have had an open conversation about it. And again, his beliefs was different than my beliefs in business. And I don't think it would have worked out anyways. But it was kind of interesting to, to figure out what his definition of a checkered past was, how he viewed my... is unique, for sure. Right. Like my change in, in jobs and change in industries. I mean, you know, I've, I've done bed and breakfast. I've done consumer satellite. I've done standardized construction contracts. I've worked for healthcare systems. I've worked in a technology lab. 
like I really love being able to, like I said, dive in deep, get to know what's going on, come up with a solution and, and make the situation working better than what it was before. And then I'm okay moving on to the next project. So some people, it just wasn't their jam. And some people love staying at an organization and going deep and being there and seeing the progress of it for a while. And that's okay too. I right. think we can't make anybody's choices wrong and by really believing in ourselves and really stepping into what we want out of this life, I think is super key. Yeah, I think that there's a, a it's incumbent upon employers to ask those questions and look at the company culture, yeah. look at the company values, um, look at the interviewee and see and ask themselves, does this person's uh, their personal values, yeah. who they are, uh, does their culture fit within the company? Yeah. And what does a company need? Is it Does it need a short-term, year, two-year spike of energy, spike of, of, of uh, persistence, spike of energy, whatever that, that is, Yeah. just to maybe do a course correction or boost marketing, boost sales, boost right. whatever. And if that person moves on, then they move on. Um, right. The other part of that is can the company afford that uh, that person to come in, train them or or mm -hmm. simulate them into the company, then have them move on that fast. But yeah. that's a, a decision every company has to make. Well, and I think one thing, too, when you look at building a team and bringing people on, the one thing that really irks my chain, and again, this could be a whole nother episode, is when I see a job listing specifically for marketing people, that they have to be great at writing, they have to be able to edit videos, they have to be able to use Canva or Photoshop or whatever it may be. They have to be able to speak and present in front of people. And like, jack of all trades, master of none, my friends, like that's not gonna work. No. And so until that can shift and we allow people to operate from that place of strength. And so Tom, to kind of echo what you were saying, figure out what the weakness is right now in your team. And I used the reason why I came into this brand is I was using that content personality team to build out sales and marketing teams. I didn't want everybody to be written. I didn't want everybody to be live in person. I needed a variety and a mix. And the last place that I did this at was that standardized construction contract coalition. I'm not a lawyer, but I was on stage speaking about it all the time. And when we really tapped in and got all five of those content personality types filled on our team, we took the organization from a $750,000 a year organization to 1.2 million in 18 months. And so wow. and none of us loved law or construction for that fact. So it really goes to show when you can show up in your strength and let those weaknesses go and you allow your people to thrive in that type of an environment, see what shifts and changes in the business. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because on our marketing team, uh, we have a, you know, two graphic designers. We have someone that does just copy. It's all she does. Yep. A social media coordinator. The kind of yeah, the organizer. Uh, we have a, a, a video editor. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a website um, developer, a software developer that updates all the graphics and updates blogs, updates all that. Yeah. And so everyone has their niche, and that is all they do is what they yeah. excel at. We we really give them the ability to expound on their strengths and our culture here is because we don't have an office everyone is remote they work from home mm -hmm. um we don't have screen share where they take you know screenshots every three minutes 
we built a, a culture of trust because when you're creative yeah. and you're, you're you have the pressures of the job you have to go to times, you have to go take a walk for yeah. 30 minutes and as you're taking a walk as you step away your mind doesn't shut off no. so we still yeah. pay them for that walk yeah <laughs> well because yeah. they're they're being creative in their own way they're and what yeah, they bring exactly. back to the table is amazing so um, true. So last question, and we're going to be wrapping up here. Um, the, I mentioned this one question in the beginning before we started recording, and I'm curious what your answer is. Mm. If you could take one person to dinner, whether past or present, uh, who would that one person be and, and why? So uh, I would actually take my past self out to dinner. Feeding off of that question that you asked earlier, because I do think, I think I've navigated a lot of the shame. I've navigated a lot of the things that have come across as well as I can. But gosh, I wish I would be able to go back to my younger self and have dinner and be like, hey, it is okay to be you. It is okay to be empowered, to do what you do well and let the rest go. And I had this boss one one time. She I worked for a publishing company, and um, you know she always complimented me about how I interacted with people in person. And then when I come to like writing my stories after doing the interview, she's like, "Don't ever think that you're not smart because your writing isn't that great." She's like, "You're an amazing person, and you are smart in your own way." After mm. after being with her. I don't know how many bosses or how many partners I've had tell me I need to go take writing classes. But she gave me the permission to, to remind myself, it's okay, I don't have to be a good writer. I can right. hire somebody else to do that. Right. Work and on so I, I would go out to dinner with my past self just, just to remind myself that it is okay to be who you are, to follow your strengths, follow your heart, and, and really trust. Trust yourself and you'll, you'll learn through this life and I promise you'll get through on the other side well. Yeah, that's awesome. Well said. Well, Amy, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we have to go, we're out of time here, but it has been a true pleasure. I have learned a massive amounts of, of information. You've been dropping golden nuggets the past Yay. 40 minutes, uh, but thank you so much. Thanks, Tom. That was great. Take care. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's interview. Every week, we release two new episodes. Remember to follow Success Unlimited's podcast wherever you listen. Thanks again for listening in. Mm -hmm.